You're tuned into the Coin Gamma Podcast, and I'm your host, Fritz Charles. This podcast is about the emerging blockchain and cryptocurrency space. We explore topics that discuss how this emerging technology impacts the world economically, politically, and socially. Every episode is jam-packed with the knowledge you need to know how to leverage this new industry. Whether you want to launch a career in it or you want to become a better investor, this is the place to be. Visit us on CoinGamma.com to sign up for our newsletter. We share all the top blockchain news that you need to know. If you're new to the blockchain, we will walk you through everything you need to know in order to become an expert. Sign up for our webinars where we break down a blockchain-related topic in depth. Again, that's CoinGamma.com. Uh, welcome everyone to the Coin Gamma Show. Uh, today we have a very accomplished guest. Uh, we're happy to have Henry James, Deputy CEO of FinCross, on the podcast and show today. Henry is a former currency trader, an analyst, and fund manager. He has nine years of experience in investment management across FX and crypto. He's the co-founder of FinCross International, which he'll tell us a lot about in a bit. Um, he provides uh, support to the strategic de- development of the firm in harmony with the evolving landscape of the digital asset markets. He supports the firm's BD and marketing strategy as the vocal sports, uh, spokesperson for the firm, hence why he's uh, speaking to us now. Um, he's also the founding par- partner of Roll Capital and a former uh, investment manager at PE Capital, and he has experience working across London, Monaco, and Mumbai. And he's a graduate of Royal Holloway University of London. Henry, thank you for being on the show. And uh, please fill in any parts of your background that I might have missed. Cheers, Fritz. Well, you you, you certainly gave me a pretty in-depth uh, uh, bio there, so thank you for that. Sure, sure, sure. One thing, I actually did some homework before, prior, before we get into FinCross and, uh, and blockchain. Um, I did some homework and, and checked your LinkedIn and checked out your background a bit. One of your prior to uh, getting into this industry, you also were worked at Tesla. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I worked uh, as an intern at Tesla whilst I was at university. Awesome. So Tesla only had one car at the time. It was the the two seater Roadster. So it was okay. uh, it was early days for Tesla, and uh, I had a had a fantastic time there. No, my my two pa- my two passions are are the world of finance and uh, financial markets and uh, and cars. So uh, so that's why. Hence my background. That's awesome. That's at awesome. Tesla. So you you were at Tesla relatively early, um, before you know, uh, you know all the you know the the tweets and and the uh, the you know the the Model Three and things of that sort. Um, uh, are you uh, since you're into cars? Are you still a Tesla owner? Or are you are you still into? No. No. Okay. I, I mean, I love I love electric vehicle technology. I think it's um, really really impressive. It's going to be the future of the automotive industry for sure. Um, but I don't own a, I don't own a Tesla here in London, no. Okay. Okay. Understood. Understood. Uh, London. Uh, I, I've traveled London quite a bit, and uh, I usually stay in the city. And parking is 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 a nightmare i can't imagine that there's too many places to charge your tesla if you yeah. were to store it anyway yeah they're slowly bringing new new charging stations into the city for sure uh, i think london's making a great effort with that but you're right the congestion of the city is so bad that uh, everyone tries to avoid having a car yeah yeah in fact new york is copying london soon where um new york's gonna have congestion pricing if you want to kind of go into yeah. the parts of the city 
Um, anyway, sure. we, this is not a car podcast. This is a crypto and blockchain podcast. So let's get back to it. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, tell, tell us about um, your, your firm, FinCross. What does it focus on? What's its position? So FinCross International is a new investment bank coming to the market focused on um, the digital asset space. Uh, as, of course, the market has been maturing over the last years uh, and also with the introduction of the new security token market in addition to uh, the cryptocurrency market. Uh, naturally, a, re a regulated investment bank is, is a natural evolution of um, investing in this space and providing extra liquidity to the space and, and um, you know, better governance and uh, compliant processes attached to how to deploy capital and invest and deal in digital assets um, as a whole internationally. So, so that so as, as, a, as a group, as an investment bank, we're focused on helping uh, institutional clients, um, uh, corporations, intermediaries, and individual clients um, with with their exposure to, to to this industry. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And um, given the, I guess, the uh, evolution of this market, obviously we had the bull market in 2017. Um, 2018 was a bit of a, of a bear market. And a lot of reason that people said it's a bear market is because um, um, the lack of institutional involvement as well as the lack of... Um, Regulation, I guess. What what are your, yeah. what are your views there, right? Uh, or do you, do you think that is, you know, do you think that's coming? Have you have, what, what what has changed since um, some of those rumors have been kind of thrown out there? Mm, yeah, I mean, my view is that you know, especially in Q4 2017, this was this unrelentless hype in the market and the rally that we saw between. Um, the, 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 the third quarter and the, and the end of the fourth quarter of 2017 was um, unsustainable. So as a trader, you know, we were preparing to start shorting the market because we knew that that, could, that acceleration couldn't continue like that. 2018 was a massive correction for that, uh, for that hysteria, basically, and that overhype in the market. And uh, so seeing the sell-off in 2018 for us as traders wasn't really, uh, well, me as a background as a, as a trader and, and other traders out there, that wasn't really a huge surprise. And actually, I think for uh, many traders, um, for sure we were questioning where the rebound would come. Um, and, and perhaps some of us thought that rebound might come at, you know, the $10,000 Bitcoin price or the $8,000 or the $6,000 Bitcoin price. So some, some traders have certainly got caught out, but, you know, a correction was certainly uh, going to happen. In terms of, you know, uh, has that sell-off also been due to the fact that institutional money hasn't come to market and regula regulatory frameworks haven't come to market? That's certainly been a contribution, contributing factor. Um, has it been the driving factor? No, I think the driving factor really was we were seeing a market correction from the overhype and the overbought nature of cryptos in the last quarter of 2017. When it comes to regulatory frameworks now and the introduction of regulated financial institutions such as ourselves that are going to help bring more institutional investment into the space, um, we are seeing developments. So, you know, I wrote an article in our last newsletter which was talking about the you know trend that we identified last year to do with the 
the harmonization of regulatory frameworks for digital assets in Commonwealth nations. You know, Commonwealth nations, uh, there are 53 of them around the world. They typically all uh, share in common a British corporate legal system. Okay, so so, so what, in, in the British case, you're talking about Canada, Australia, Jamaica, you know, Trinidad, Tobago, Nigeria. Okay. Yeah, these are these are examples of Commonwealth nations. We are registered and regulated in a Commonwealth jurisdiction that is the Republic of Mauritius. Okay. Um, and Mauritius is a financial center in its own right. It's been doing banking for decades, as Mauritius is actually the financial gateway of of money moving in and out of the African continent. So, um, so you have major banks in Mauritius. You've got HSBC, uh, Barclays, Standard Chartered. These are all banks, uh, international banks with hundreds of employees based in Mauritius. Um, and Mauritius, we were attracted to them because. Um, back in 2017, we learned about how Mauritius was really going to start paving the way with comprehensive regulatory frameworks for digital assets. And you know, an example of that being just in March this year, 2019, um, Mauritius was the first jurisdiction in the world to launch a dedicated license and regulatory framework for the custody of digital assets. And that's wow. a that's a very big deal because. Uh, despite what anyone says, every custodian of, of digital assets today is unregulated. Right. And by that I mean they are doing that activity in a way they see fit and not in accordance with a regulatory framework and a, you know, a set of rules and or a set of rules and regulations specific to uh, legislation that is, is in is in is in is in effect in a, in that jurisdiction. Wow. So we will see the evolution of these frameworks come to market for sure, and Mauritius happened to be the first in the world. Interesting. So um, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, custody is one of the biggest things that people mention, at least in the States, as to why, you know, traditional firms have not got into the space. You know, you trade, um, you know, you trade, you know, credit default swaps or bonds or stocks. You don't have to worry about custody. In fact, you have places like State Street that could hold it for you, things of that sort. Um, and yeah. last thing, you know, somebody at maybe Barclays or something wants to do is get in, buy Bitcoin on behalf of a client and then get hacked. Right. And we see that. All exactly. Time. So it's interesting yeah. that uh, Mauritius kind of has come up with, um, I guess, a set of rules around that. I guess what are the, what are some of the basics of the rules, if, if, if you recall, like, is it like, you know, is it the way you're supposed to do cold storage or multi-sig? Like, did they get into that kind of yeah. detail? Yeah, absolutely. It's a very comprehensive um, document. It's it's well over a hundred pages long. Uh, it involves the distribution of um, different vaults. So the vaults that are holding some of these private keys have to be held in different jurisdictions around the world. Sure. Um, um, multi-sig is also yeah a factor that has to come into play. Um, so yeah, it's it's pr it's pretty comprehensive. Um, and these processes need to be followed, right? So as we as we um, perform custody of, of digital assets, um, that process will be followed, and, and we will be compliant, of course, throughout. Sure, sure. So you, you, so you are... the, the key element here, the key element is now 
we've met with fund managers that want to buy cryptocurrencies, let's say, or security tokens as well. And they've been eager to get into the market, but then their compliance teams, in other words, a you know, compliance officer or compliance manager that they work with, has actually blocked them from entering the market because they've said, right. we're only willing to work with a entity that can take the custody of our capital right. and and for that custody to be done in accordance with a regulatory framework. So if they're not a regulated custodian, then we're not really interested to, well, we will not go forwards. And they actually block the fund manager from making the trade. Wow, wow, wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. So your firm um, provides custody um, services for these these folks. Um, it will well. do. We, it, we're going to launch that in the coming months. Hopefully by June, that solution will be online. Okay, awesome, awesome. Excellent, excellent. And you also offer um, tools around staking. So if you want to yes, do yes. staking tokens, is that live as well? Or is that going to launch with this custody solution? Correct. That will launch with the custody solution. We've already created our, uh, our own proof of stake pools. Um, so they're, they're up and running. Um, but yes, as a service that will offer that you know, to clients, um, that will be coming in, in June. And we'd like to really do something... Um, um, so we'd like to use the staking pool as an opportunity to offer that service on a free basis to our clients, so not actually charge them to stake within our pool. Uh, and we're trying to do that as a mechanism to, to attract new business to us as we're literally launching the company for that right now. So we unveiled the company publicly for the first time in November 2018. Okay. That, was at the, that was at the point in time that we received an approval for our investment banking license from the FSC in Mauritius. And um, we are currently in the process of activating that investment banking license. So once that's activated, we'll start onboarding clients uh, from this month or perhaps the, the, the month, uh, the month yeah, the following month. Awesome, awesome. Let's pivot back to security tokens. Um, I guess for you know people that listen to the show, they're all kind of level. Some people are beginners. Um, they've heard of ICOs, which are you know these digital assets that Sometimes you represent utility. Sometimes they don't. Um, what's the what what is, what is a security token, and what makes it much so much different? And why is that um, the focus of your firm, or one of the focuses? Sure. So, yeah, and you and you and you're right to say it's one of the primary focuses. And why? Because, uh, and I keep saying this to to everyone I meet that the security token market will will dwarf the size of the cryptocurrency market, and. So what, what is the difference? What are the difference between the security token market and the cryptocurrency market? Cryptocurrencies are, are unregulated assets. Uh, in other words, in most jurisdictions, perhaps slightly excluding the US because the SEC is really uh, leaning towards saying that a lot of the cryptos that exist today are securities. But US generally is an exception uh, on, on, on the global stage with that point of view. Right. Um, so if we say you know, cryptos are generally unregulated assets that are not backed by hard assets such as real estate or soft assets such as, you know, let's say, a, a, a brand, uh, the Mickey Mouse brand, uh, Disney, for right, instance. Right. Um, these, are, these, are, these are security tokens, right? Anything's backed by a hard asset or a soft asset is a security by definition. So just because we tokenize those assets, uh, it doesn't mean that they they can avoid the uh, you know traditional securities laws. So so that's why they are you know nicknamed you know security security tokens. So and that kind of product is is going to be a product that's going to be 
in theory, much more attractive to institutional investors than than um, uh, than, than the cryptocurrencies are to them right. because a lot of a lot of traditional investors really struggle to understand the the fundamental values to cryptocurrencies today. You know, there's many investors that think that cryptocurrency is still overpriced, and I think that really stems down to perhaps a uh, an unidentification of what cryptocurrencies can um, can be in the future and what what problems they're here to solve. Um, for instance, you know, there's still many people that think Bitcoin is here to to replace the U.S. dollar. That's right. absolutely not the case. You know, right, Bitcoin right. is 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 a digital store of value, and um, just like gold, we don't. We don't go around with gold in our pocket and buy our groceries in gold. Right. Uh, we, when we own gold as individuals, we, we own it as long-term stores of value. Right. Uh, and that's, that was the principle behind Bitcoin. So you see there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of myths and miseducation in the market today right. which, which causes problems. And I think that's the same for, for any new market or any new technology. You know, when the Internet first came around, everyone was freaking out, you know, saying, well, what, you know, what do I need the internet for? All it right. can do is send emails. You know, so it's, it's that we'll 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 all educate ourselves more over time. But the security token market will revolutionise the way in which we buy, sell, and trade um, illiquid assets. So typically, illiquid assets, let's say, ranging from real estate to to fine art, um, or or, or securities and, and, and other assets that, let's say, typically demand a minimum investment amount in the millions of dollars or right. several hundred thousand dollars. These minimum investment amounts are going to really be able to be reduced thanks to the security token market and provide wider access uh, to, to, these, to these assets, which in the past, through traditional markets, are harder to, to access and, and therefore make them more liquid by definition. Right, right, right. Now that's an awesome background um, on the on the sector. Um, so what I guess what's the top use case? Uh, you mentioned real estate. Some people uh, have mentioned like just normal equity in startups. Maybe mm -hmm. um, maybe there's things like um, uh, commodities, right? So what I guess what what are some of the top use, use cases that you've seen of STOs? Sure. So so typically we we feel that the security token market hasn't actually shown many quality products so far you know the market was just really born in 2018 so it's still really early days sure. um and and so so we're looking to try and bring you know some high quality products to market and kind of show off to the world how how much potential this market has so what yes. verticals are we interested in we're interested in tokenizing uh, soft assets. So like I said before, examples of that could be brands or uh, uh, the Mickey Mouse brand or uh, a brand that's attached to a sports team or a, or a music artist or any brand you can imagine. If it's got value, if it's got an audience, we can start tokenizing that and generating okay. and creating a token okay, which can, generates can we, can we a deal. Can we dig into one of those examples a bit and, and just kind of make a, let's, let's have a, a, a test case, so to speak? Um, you're based in London. Um, I, I would assume you have a, a Premier League team that you follow. I don't want to say the wrong one because I, I don't want you to uh, <laughs> hang up on me if I say Man U and you're Chelsea. I don't know. What? What? what who's your team? If you have yeah, any? Chelsea. 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 Okay. Chelsea. All right. So <laughs> let's let's have a fictional example of how Chelsea could use an STO potentially. 
Sure. I mean, you know, this is just a hypothetical example. Hypothetical, so say yes. Chelsea there's no connection club. to Chelsea. For, there's no legal, legal ramifications. This is just for educational purposes, <laughs> everyone. And everyone, if, yeah. you're, if you're not a fan of Chelsea, just insert your team. Liverpool. You, yeah, exactly. Whatever. <laughs> so, so we could say, we could approach a company like Chelsea Football Club and say, look, you've got some super valuable brands associated with your club, whether that be in the form of of your of your stadium, whether it be in the form of your of the team itself, the brand of the team itself, and so we sure. could say, look, we could token, we could create a token that over a set period of time will provide a yield to token holders on on a on a percentage based or attached to revenue. So we could say ten percent of future revenues for the next five years will will be will be shared with token holders. Right. Wow. In addition to that. You can also program the token because remember that a security token is run by a smart contract, which means right. we are coding these tokens. Sure. So we could code and program into this token some other um, some other aspects, some other utility benefits potentially, right. uh, which correlate to the football club's uh, wider business model. So right. we could have a utility benefit there to um, incentivize. Uh, token holders to to receive discounts on certain products or tickets to to their venues. So you know one of the new ways uh, the market's referring to security tokens these days is calling them smart security ah, because okay. they can't have these smart feet. They can be programmed to have smart features right. that link that link inherently to the company in question. So here you have a token now which represents um, part of the 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 brand. Of, of of Chelsea Football Club, and when the merchandise, let's say, is sold with the Chelsea um, branding on it, right. a percentage of that revenue could go back to the token holders, wow. and we, and we could also program utility benefits too. So it's almost like we're creating a bond, right? Um, right. And we is a just in a more of a it's a smarter format, and obviously more of a digital format. Also makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, no, I mean, the uh, the possibilities are endless. I've even heard people think of things like, you know, basically tokenizing maybe a music artist and, you know, their royalty fees and their streams and things sure. of that sort. Um, no, that's... Yeah, I was just talking on Twitter the other day about that with, with one, a U.S. securities attorney that's that's nuts about security tokens right now. We were, we were going backwards and forth just on that same discussion. You know, you could launch an STO to launch a new record or... Um, or to or to launch a movie, or uh, you know, to finance yourself in some way or another. So remember that when we look at when we look at security tokens, there's kind of two ways you can approach this market. You can tokenize an existing asset, an asset that you right. already own, as a means to kind of exit your position or gain act, you know, kind of gain, um, acquire capital uh, from an asset that you own. Or if you don't have an asset and you're you're looking to actually build out an asset or launch launch your, yourself as an artist or launch your company, uh, your new company, uh, or, to, or not necessarily a new company, but you might want to expand your existing company and therefore you need to raise capital. For that, you can launch a security token offering. Sure, sure. sure. So there's two different ways of approaching that market. If you're a corporate, if you're a company that wants to tokenize an asset, you don't actually have to do an STO because um, you, aren't, you aren't fundraising. You're actually just selling something that you already own to the market whereas the sto is more of a fundraising mechanism got it got it got it which is parallel it's more similar to a public offering 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That you're creating something and you're trying to raise you're trying to raise capital on the back of it. Sure. So other than Mauritius, are there any other jurisdictions that are friendly to this um I guess type of, of security or this type of investment? Um you know, obviously I know I, you I know, think... based in the US, I don't know if the US US has been relatively slow to some of this stuff. Um and yeah. it, it, some people say it's slowing it down the market, but then I know um Canada seems to be a little bit more advanced. I don't know, but I guess obviously you have presence around the world, Europe, Africa, Asia, you name it. What what are some top countries or, or top jurisdictions that you know you see STOs taking off or activity rising? Yeah, the security token market does need more clarity from regulators around the world in terms of how they're going to regulate the space and how they're going to define what security tokens are and whether they should just apply the existing traditional securities laws or if there need to be slight amendments thereof. So so a lot of regulators are talking, you know, which are the ones that seem to be making the most progress. You have um, jurisdictions in, in Asia, so Singapore, Thailand, sure. Hong Kong. Um, these are these are the jurisdictions that are making good progress at the moment. But likewise, um, um, Abu Dhabi, uh, Mauritius, these are these are other jurisdictions in the Middle East and Africa that are making um, um, progress. And on 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 the European front and in the U.S. front, it's a little bit of a slower reaction, I think, because um, you know the SEC in particular is kind of taking a wait and see approach, letting some right. other jurisdictions to make some early moves and maybe make some mistakes and right. some maybe some progress sure. and learn from that. And I think you know when you look at how big the U.S stock market is, how big the U.S. commodity market is, um, how big the U.S. real estate market is, all of the, you know, they're huge markets and therefore they've got a lot to lose if they make mistakes. Um, But news literally just out of yesterday from the SEC sharing guidance notes with how they are approaching um, uh, and, and looking at how to qualify whether a digital asset is a security or not. Um, so, so the SEC has been, met, you know, has been making some exciting progress recently, um, but it will be a step-by-step approach. You know, I don't think we're going to see some very clear frameworks out from the SEC in the next, uh, and from Congress for that matter, in the next you know, year. It's going, to take, it's going to take time. No. Uh, I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah, and that's I, what and that and yeah, that's what presents a company like us with an opportunity, with a window of opportunity, I should say, to innovate, to go to a jurisdiction which is leading the way with with these regulatory frameworks. So we can create a compliant financial institution focused on this market and grow quickly, and then hopefully, as and when other jurisdictions come online, whether it's the U.S., whether it's the U.K. or Hong Kong. Um, or Singapore, let's say, we can we can acquire new licenses and be regulated in other jurisdictions as well. But at the heart of everything that we've been doing is we've been saying, let's not work in an unregulated environment because this this whole industry needs more regulated players to help move move the move the market in the right direction and increase the adoption and the security um, that's needed to 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 bring you know more more liquidity to the market. Sure, sure, incredible. Now, when I think about, of a, a, I guess, a digital asset investment bank, um, such as your firm, uh, in the U.S., a lot of people have, have, know about um, Galaxy. Galaxy is probably the most popular one. Um, I guess, how would you say your platform's different? Um, but also, I guess, another way to look at it is, like, 
if you look at traditional finance, there's no real big difference between Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs. They're both the same firms, but just kind of, you know, the pie is big, big enough for multiple service providers that do the same thing. I guess, how do you look at it? Um, do you look at differentiation or do you look at like, hey, this, the pie is big. We all do the same thing, but we just have our own thing, own way of looking at, at it. Yeah, in, in our view, there's, there's no question that there is a shortage of regulated, professional, institutional players in this market today. So, so there's absolutely enough, enough room in the market for there to be a number of investment banks focusing on digital assets. And it's interesting that you know, companies like Goldman Sachs and Julius Baer, um, these, are, these are big banks um, that are, have already taken positions in, um, in some companies in, that are focused on this space. So you know, we, we know it's only a matter of time before we start working more closely, potentially even in a partnership um, uh, manner with some of these traditional banks. As for Galaxy, you know, we do certainly have some some things that differentiate us as companies. Um, you know, we're we're really investing a lot of capital into deploying proprietary technology. We can talk about that if you like. Um, I'm not sure how much tech um, is being built by Galaxy, but you know, as as an investment bank. Uh, on the investment banking side of things, certainly we, we, we share similar business models. You know, the investment banking business model is quite simple. And um, so, so, you know, they will be creating products, distributing products, you know, whether they're cryptocurrencies, whether they are derivative products, um, whether they be security tokens. Uh, in that respect, we will certainly be competing with each other. But at right. the same time, I hope that a company like Galaxy Digital and FinCross International, given the the shortage of you know uh, you know institutional players in the market, I actually hope that we will actually be working together in some respects and helping to build out this market further. Because really, from an institutional standpoint, it do, it's going to require more groups, uh, more regulated institutional groups like Galaxy and FinCross to to encourage others to come to the market, whether those be uh, fund managers looking to invest or or some of the traditional banks that are keeping a close eye on the market. No, 100%. If you look at in the traditional, you know, uh, sector, um, if you look at any financial deal, there's always multiple investment banks and multiple firms that are listed on the deal memo, right? So I definitely can That's see something right. where, you know, you know, for any offering, there could be multiple investment banks that team up on it. Um, so no, that's incredible. One, I guess one other thing that your firm focuses on is uh, treasury management. I guess what what it, like what is that for people that don't know, um, and and why is that something that needs to be addressed in this space? Yeah, so treasury management is really focused on is a service focused towards a um, a corporate client. So okay. a, a a company. A company that might launch uh, a security token for an STO or might um, tokenize some of its assets, uh, if it chooses to accept digital assets, in other words, let's say like cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, um, as part of its capital raise, then obviously it's going to start having Bitcoin on its balance sheet. Right. And some of these companies are not going to be experts in kind of dealing with the volatility of these cryptos. So treasury management is a service that we will offer to our clients to be able to best manage the balance, the balancing of their uh, their fiat and their digital assets, or potentially to even hedge 
some of their positions against the volatility in the market. So okay. it's a portfolio management service, basically. Got it, got it, got it, got it. No, it's incredible. Awesome, awesome. And I guess most of them are uh, firms that have as investment, and then you could have a firm that actually Bitcoin as to transfer their, their currency, or so, or so to speak, and they have to manage that. Yeah, that's right. You know, Or if you have a company that is accepting digital assets as, as a means of payment, um, or it has its own native token that it's 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 launched in the past and needs to you know manage the treasure you know manage those reserves of those tokens that it holds whether it's Bitcoin or their native token or a combination of of, of those two or, or others you know that's that really requires a good management of that portfolio of these tokens of these digital assets and you know um, it, it, especially if we're talking about large sums of money. Um, you know, companies will want help with managing that treasury. Exactly right. What um, I guess for you to offer that, do you does your firm also have like some sort of a trading desk or trading yes. desk? Okay. Yeah, that's right. So our investment team uh, includes a twenty four seven trade desk for digital assets. So wow. you can call us or you can. Uh, input a trade through um, our client platform. You can log into the, your 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 account and place an order 24/7, uh, and we will fill that order. So um, whether it's a large order, a very large order, or a very small order, um, so that's that's available on a 24/7 basis. Yes. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, going back to Bitcoin, um, you mentioned that you know it's a store of value. Um, I guess what 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 do you tell your clients or your potential clients? as to why Bitcoin is a great investment or something for them to focus <laughs> on? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, look, it's actually a very interesting question because in most cases, we don't really try to aggressively convince anybody that Bitcoin is a great investment. In most cases, we've got you know a, a large amount of demand as it is sure. from clients that already tell us they want to buy it. Uh, now, if they were to ask us, you know, can you confirm and clarify your, you know, the fundamental reasons why FinCross values Bitcoin? And of course, we can we can give our analytical study on that, and we can we can give our projection on on where we think the the price of Bitcoin is going to go. We use artificial intelligence um, to actually predict the future prices of of, of cryptocurrencies. Um, we use we use prediction engines for volatility, so we're predicting the volatility in different instruments in in the cryptocurrency market, um, and we're also using. Uh, prediction engines for understanding arbitrage opportunities, sure. identifying arbitrage opportunities. So, um, all of these, all of these tools that we have, these are you know highly, highly sophisticated AI-powered tools for the cryptocurrency market. These give us lots of insights to be able to give advice, investment advice to clients, and uh, and to answer their questions about you know why is Bitcoin a, 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 an asset worth buying and or selling today. So um, that's that's a, that those are the services as investment advisors and as an investment team we will provide to our clients. It's but we we don't go out there trying to convince uh, crypto skeptics to buy Bitcoin. Right. We don't have the time to do that, and frankly, there's enough demand for for digital assets that we don't even, we don't need to focus that much on on trying to convert people that are that are, the, are skeptics. Understood. Understood. Now it makes a lot of sense. Um... You know, uh, it's it's more about uh, giving the 
taking the inbound interest and optimizing that versus trying to uh, you know go go after the non-believers. I, I do understand that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, awesome. Awesome. Great. Well, listen, I, I could keep you on here pretty long, um, but I, I understand how, how, how busy it is. You grow, you're growing a firm and, and, and you need, you probably have a bunch of clients to speak to. So I definitely appreciate your time. If somebody, if people want to learn more about you, your firm, mm -hmm. uh, where should they go? Yeah. The first place you can go to is syncross.com. Uh, plenty of information about the firm there. We update, we update news there. Um, otherwise, you can find us all uh, on on LinkedIn. Uh, come come connect with us there. You can shoot us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we, we 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 receive many many messages a day through LinkedIn and also through our website. So um, if you're interested in digital assets, you're interested in what we're doing, um, we, we would love to hear from you. All right. Thank you, Henry. I'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Cheers. And it's a wrap for this episode of the Coin Gamma Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please share it out with members of your network, friends, family, associates. And most importantly, please leave a review on your podcast listening platform, whether it's iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, you name it. That really helps our podcast out. It helps us get more exposure and share our content with more people. And don't forget, we're available to help you out with your blockchain related projects just reach out coingamma.com until next time